You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this live edition of the show, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's victory over West Bromwich Albion. The Gunners ran out 4-0 winners despite the snowy conditions. And I guess the answer to the question of whether Arsenal can do it on a cold, snowy night in West Brom is yes, yes, they can. Um, this is a Chronicles of Aguna first, actually. I was thinking about it uh, as the game was coming to an end. I don't think I have ever, since this podcast began, done a Saturday night live show. I don't think I've ever done it. And that's probably because I used to have a social life. Um, then obviously COVID hit and I had a kid and all of that stuff. And then social life becomes non-existent anymore. And now we're at a point where we can do Saturday night podcasts. So it's great to be on here. Um, great to be discussing the game with you guys. And I look forward to getting some of your thoughts and comments in the live chat. Do not worry. This doesn't replace the Sunday night live show. This is an additional uh, show. So we'll also be bringing you a live podcast tomorrow evening as well. Uh, so come and join us for that. Set it in your diaries. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. That way you'll get a notification. And we're very close to 11,000 subscribers. So if you haven't already, please do it. Support us. Hit the like button too. And uh, without further ado, let's get into tonight's game. Really impressive victory. Really, really impressive performance thoroughly enjoyed it. And I had a little bit of a Kevin Keegan rant, didn't I, a couple of shows ago uh, when Sam Allardyce was talking about Arsenal being potential uh, relegation rivals for West Bromwich Albion. And I said, I would love it. Proper Kevin Keegan style. I would love it. I would love it if we beat Sam Allardyce's West Brom. And lo and behold, we beat them and we beat them in such convincing fashion that you start to look at that team and you think that unless he resigns, a couple of months before the end of the season, then Sam Allardyce's record of always staying in the Premier League that he's so bloody proud of is going to disappear. It's going to absolutely disappear uh, because West Brom were diabolical, but that shouldn't take anything away from Arsenal. And what a brilliant, brilliant performance Arsenal put in tonight. I thought we were excellent in every area of the pitch. And let's, let's start by discussing the team. Um, obviously, there were fears and concerns in the lead up to the game that actually it may not go ahead. Of course, the snow was coming down really, really heavy uh, in the Midlands. And we know from previous experience that when there's snow in England, the whole country comes to a standstill. Everything seems to halt. Everything seems to be a problem. Um, and having seen some of the pictures that I did in the lead up to the game, I was really worried about whether or not it was going to go ahead. And then you start to think, is it better that it goes ahead? Is it worse that it's going to go ahead? Because is that going to make it an even more difficult away trip for Arsenal and, and reduce? is that going to reduce our chances of winning the game even more? All these thoughts were going through my mind at the time. Um, and, and, you know, uh, so I was commentating on the game between Brighton and Wolverhampton Wanderers, which, by the way, I was sitting there cursing uh, earlier in the week when I realised that was the game I was on this weekend. And I was saying, what a rubbish game. Turned out to be an absolute 
blinder. So I've had a great day. Um, I really, really have. But yeah, I've got to admit, when I saw those pictures from the Hawthorns, I did fear whether or not the game was going to go ahead. And if it did go ahead, I did wonder whether that was going to suit Arsenal, whether it was going to be another obstacle uh, in trying to get all three points. Let's talk about Mikel Arteta's team selection, which I thought was absolutely uh, spot on. He stuck with pretty much uh, the same side that won at Brighton. It was Leno in goal, Bellerin, Holding and Marie, who are forming a really good partnership at centre-back. There's a real calmness there um, and there's a real... I, I don't know, you know, if I look at that partnership, I do think it lacks something. Uh, pace is probably the main thing that I would say that that pairing lacks, but there is a calmness. There is a, 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 a kind of calming presence that they bring to the whole back line that I think is really useful and really helpful. And I've enjoyed watching Pablo Marie in recent weeks. I was a little bit worried about him when he first joined Arsenal Football Club. Um, I thought that he was a little bit slow. Feels like he's caught up to the pace of the Premier League a little bit more now. And fingers crossed, the more he plays in it, the more he experiences it, the more he'll develop and the more he'll improve as a centre-back. But he looks really assured at the moment. Rob Holding, we spoke about him on our show earlier today. Um, and we spoke about you know the, the decision that it looks like they're going to offer him a new contract. And again, I thought he put in a really solid display. I thought Hector Bellerin was very good tonight, particularly in an attacking sense. Um, I think he calm, it calmly carries the ball forward. He, he takes up this inside fullback position, which I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans give him shit for. But the reality is that's what Mikel Arteta is asking him to do. If it wasn't, he wouldn't be in the side because we do have right back options in Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We do have right back options in Cedric Suarez, someone that Mikel Arteta was very keen on, on keeping at the club and bringing to the club. And, you know, Bellerin is obviously um, delivering. Um, and I thought that, yeah, he's had a few dodgy games of late, but I thought... Uh, tonight he was okay. I thought he was he was quite impressive and and linked up really well with Bukayo Saka on that right hand side. I thought at left back Kieran Tierney was sensational as always, and we're going to come on to talk about Kieran Tierney's goal in a minute. Um, what a wonderful goal that was! But let's let's continue running through the side and the individual performances, and we'll get to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Granite Xhaka started in the midfield. I thought he had a really assured performance again. This time, though, he was alongside Danny Ceballos uh, rather than Mohamed Elneny. And I thought that Ceballos was the right choice tonight. We knew what West Brom were all about. We knew what West Brom were going to do. And I thought that the the ability of someone like Ceballos to just be a, show a little bit more guile than, than Mohamed Elneny, to be able to turn in tight spaces and drive the ball forward and carry it forward that little bit more than Elneny does. I thought that was a, a key thing tonight. And I thought Sabayos had a really decent game. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to keep doing that throughout this show because my throat is still not quite right. But I, I thought that Sabayos did really, really well. And I thought he was the right choice alongside Granite Xhaka this evening. You've also got to think, and as pointed out by Deruve, um, he says Thomas Partey is yet to come into this team. And that is absolutely spot on. And we're talking about how well Arsenal are playing at the moment. We're talking about the, the improvement, the confidence that seems to be running through this group at the moment. And arguably... Um, you know, the the the, the best player um, of that midfield that we've got at the club, the player that we went and splashed out £45 million on is still to come back. So really positive signs. Daruv also says it's 4am in India and I'm full of energy. Thank you for joining us at that ungodly hour, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> 
It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, moving forward in the side, uh, Bukayo Saka again on the right-hand side was excellent. Um, really caused West Brom all sorts of problems uh, throughout the game, particularly in that first period, though. And I really enjoyed his display once again. Glad he came off on 71 minutes. I know a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter were kind of like, why has he brought Willian on? But for me, it was good to see Bukayo Saka get hooked and get a bit of a rest because he's played a lot of minutes lately, obviously picked up a knock in the Brighton game as well. Fortunately, he came through it uh, to play this evening, but I thought, again, he was brilliant. Smith Rowe, excellent again, and again, glad to see him get taken off as well uh, and get a bit of a breather at the end of the game. Watch that Emil Smith Rowe performance again and then tell me that the number 10 role is dead. There are lots of people out there who, just because Jurgen Klopp doesn't use one, just because Liverpool don't use one, say the number 10 role is dead. And it's really not. It is really not. When a player is given the license, the creative freedom to pick up all sorts of positions, the way Emil Smith-Rowe did tonight, he can cause all sorts of problems. If he uses the ball well, if he is clever in his runs, clever in his movement. And I thought that Emil Smith-Rowe displayed that in an abundance tonight. Did he get on the ball as much as I'd have liked him to? Probably not. I think he probably could have got on the ball a little bit more, Emil Smith-Rowe. But... When he did get on the ball, I thought he used it really, really well. And if you think back to peak Mesut Ozil, and I know that feels like it was a long, long time ago, but if you think back to peak Mesut Ozil, that was Mesut Ozil linking up with with Alexis Sanchez on the left-hand side. And why was he doing that? Because he had that creative license and that freedom to drift from those midfield positions, that central area out to the flank to cause that overload, to create that additional uh, sort of, um, you know, to create that sort of additional, you know, that that overload and, and make it a two-on-one in the fullback positions, make it an, uh, something that, you know, was difficult for the fullback to contend with. You know, you're, you're trying to defend the one man and then you've got Emil Smith-Rowe coming out there and making your life even more difficult. I thought he did that so well with Saka um, and I thought he did that so well on the other side as well. And Emil Smith-Rowe, once again, proving what an incredible talent he is. I still stick by what I said um, a couple of days ago in that he's still young and I think that he's still got a long way to go before he is someone we can look at and rely on, I should say, every single week. And, and, the the main kind of motivation when I say that is that I don't want him to be ruined. I don't want that pressure to be on him at just 20 years old. I want him to break into this team. Um, he has broken into the team, but I want him to be eased into the team and to develop without having that pressure of carrying all of Arsenal's creative hopes on his shoulders. Um, but yeah, again, m really encouraging signs from him and absolutely delighted uh, to see him continue his excellent uh, run of form. Guys, just a quick, polite reminder. If you haven't already, can I ask that you smash the like button on this video? I can see right now that on YouTube alone, uh, there are over 180 of you watching us um, and plenty more across the other platforms as well. Please smash the like button. I can see there's only 38 likes on there at the moment. I know I bang on about it on every podcast, but it is really, really important. And if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please do so. As you can see, running across the bottom of the screen, we are getting closer and closer to 11,000 subscribers on YouTube alone. So if you are watching us via that platform, 
please, please be sure to make sure you are subscribed. All right, let's continue running through the team and individual performances. Alexander Lacazette bagged the brace tonight. Thought he did really, really well. But aside from the goals, um, I was more impressed by his link-up play. And I feel like his link-up play, when Emil Smith-Rowe is in the side, when Saka is playing as one of the wingers, is just a completely different ball game. Um, you know, he's really rediscovered his form in the last few weeks. And I've been pleasantly, pleasantly surprised Um by what I've seen of Alexander Lacazette, really enjoying his performances at the moment. And you can see the confidence running through his veins. Unfortunately, and although we won tonight and it is a largely positive night, you can't say the same thing about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at the moment. He just looks like he can't buy a goal. He looks devoid of confidence. He looks a little bit fed up and that's a little bit disappointing when you take into consideration that he is the club captain. I want to see more from Aubameyang. I want to see more willingness to put his form right. I have no doubt that eventually at some point and hopefully sooner rather than later, Aubameyang will rediscover that form. I think he's proven throughout his career that he's a really, really good goal scorer and somebody who, you know, when on form is is unstoppable in front of goal. But he's just lost his way a little bit. We're fortunate at the moment that the likes of Saka, Smith, Rowe, Lacazette are firing and they are um, covering for that and they're making up for that and they're kind of taking away the significance of, of Aubameyang's uh, performances because had Arsenal not been playing very well at the moment, and Aubameyang was playing the way he is, missing some of the chances that he is, you feel like there would be a fair amount of criticism coming his way. And and so for that reason, I'm delighted to see um, that, that, you know, the others are chipping in and the others are uh, covering for him a little bit because he's been doing that for them for the last 12 months. Let's be honest, you know, Aubameyang has carried this team for a long, long time. We're saying to a friend during the game, actually, you know, the start of this season is probably the only blip you can think of in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's Arsenal career. And so you have to take that into account when criticising him and you have to be aware of that, I think. Um, and he does have credit in the bank at the end of the day. But, you know, at some point, sooner or later, being the captain, being our talisman, being our, uh, our highest paid player, being the guy that we've really gone out on a limb for with that new contract, he needs to start delivering and, and he needs to start delivering soon. Um, I think we can all agree on that. In terms of the overall display, I thought it was confident. It was, you know, everything we wanted to see in an Arsenal side. I think going back to the back four has helped us. And and, and the fact that we've included a number 10 in the side now has kind of taken the shackles off a little bit. It's given Arsenal the ability to move a little bit, um, you know, to... In terms, sorry, to be more flexible in terms of their positioning, in terms of the way they attack people. I'm really enjoying watching this Arsenal side. I, I really enjoyed the game against Chelsea, really enjoyed the second half against Brighton and really enjoyed the whole game uh, tonight. So we are on the right track. Look, let's not get carried away. You know, it's three wins on the bounce. I said, as I said to you guys on the show earlier today, I wanted seven points from these three fixtures. We've got nine and I'm absolutely delighted by that. And I think Mikel Arteta, will be delighted by that. The only thing I will say is this team are still a long way from being the finished article, still a long way from being what we need them to be. And so there will inevitably come another blip and another dip in form. And that might be in the shape of one game. That might be in the shape of two or three games. And we've got to be prepared for that as fans and not overreact. Let's enjoy the good. Understand that this team is on a journey 
And we are heavily reliant on a group of young players right now who are going to have inconsistent patches. And, and as I say, we've got to accept that. We've got to understand that. And therefore, our assessment of them shouldn't be so scathing um, when that blip does come. And I will... I sound like I'm being Mr. Negative after Arsenal have just gone to the Hawthorns and absolutely blown West Bromwich Albion away. But I'm not. I'm being realistic. And I'm being realistic in, in, in the fact that this team still has a long way to go, still needs to bring some more players in. There's still players in there that you look at and you think they're not completely fit for purpose. So we're still on a journey. We're still developing. Um, but this is a massive step, uh, this win. And it's, you know, people will say it's only West Brom and they've had a really bad season. And, you know, they're going down and they're doomed and all that. And I get all that. But, you know, Arsenal haven't been very good this season. And Arsenal have just strung together a run of three wins in the Premier League, which is not easy. You only have to look around the rest of the table and some of the results of even some of the the better sides, if you want to call them that, and look at their results. You know, the, the Premier League is a difficult league to put a run together in. And Arsenal are on a good run now. And I'm really, really pleased by what we're seeing. Mikel Arteta's methods are working. Um, the team is is looking good. Um, there looks to be confidence flowing through the veins of everybody, which is obviously helpful. And all those stories that you hear about, about players having bust-ups, about discontent behind the scenes, about disagreements with the manager, all of that stuff goes away when you're winning football matches. It is that simple. And so I'm, I'm really pleased that Arsenal are picking up results and that Arsenal... Um, continue to make tracks and continue to improve uh, after what was a really forgettable start to the season. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying in the live comments. Don't forget, if you haven't already, smash the like button on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're listening via the podcast format, please be sure to leave us a review. Uh, a FIFA 2000 says, what an away win. Foddy says, hello from Cyprus and hope you're recovering well, Harry. Thank you very much, mate. I am. Um, and hello to everyone in Cyprus, the motherland. Um, he says, not the usual first half by Arsenal and a well-deserved win. So long, Sam. Yeah, it was a well-deserved win. Um, and it was good to see Arsenal start the game, wasn't it? On the front foot and really go at a team and really put them to the sword and not give them time to settle, not give them time to grow into the game, not give them time to develop any form of confidence. It was great to see Arsenal go and put them to the sword the way they did from the very beginning. Uh, Sakaya says, Tierney, what a player. Fantastic. Um, Anton Klein also says, Kieran Tierney, take a bow. What a goal and performance. What a goal that was, by the way. Um, my favourite goal of the night was the second one, uh, the link-up play between uh, Saka, Lacazette and, and Smith-Rowe, I thought was excellent. It was like a throwback to watching Arsene Wenger's peak Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, but I really enjoyed Kieran Tierney's individual effort as well. And the, just the drive and the directness that having beat his man, he only had one thing on his mind, and to dig a shot out like that with his weaker right foot and bend it past Johnston in the West Brom goal was really, really impressive. And I I literally leapt off my seat and it's been a while since I've done that uh, watching Arsenal. So yeah, really good stuff from Kieran Tierney. Big hello to Franklin who says it's the first time I managed to time the live stream. Welcome, mate. Uh, great to have you on here. Um, Xander Russell says, how good are the weekends now? Yeah, when we're playing like that, it's excellent. Uh, captain Caramello, uh, defending Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang says, our captain played like a captain in my opinion. He tried 100% despite his lack of goals. Yeah, I'm not saying that he didn't try. Um, I think he did. 
I did think there were a couple of moments, though, where I just, you could see not a lack of trying, but you could see a frustration in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And he's got to stay patient. He's got to keep trying. He's got to get his head down, keep working, because we all know what a great goal scorer he is. And we all know that he will come good. We all know that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on his day is one of Europe's elite strikers. He's having a bit of a bad patch at the moment. He's going through a bit of a difficult period. We've got to support him because, as I said earlier on uh, in the stream, this is the first time in his Arsenal career that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is having a sustained blip. Um, and every player goes through them. Everybody does. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying. Uh, Ravel says, I really wanted to see Martinelli, not Willock, because the guy is awful. Martinelli has played a lot of football of late. And as I said last week, I think he's played a lot more football then Arsenal will have ideally wanted him to, having been out for so long and the nature of his injury. So for me, I don't take any issue with, with Martinelli not getting on the pitch. In fact, the fact that we did win this game so convincingly, it looks so free-flowing going forward without Martinelli, I think is a testament to the rest of the team. And I think it's a massive, massive positive. Graham says, Saka and Smith-Rowe have turned this season around, certainly brought an energy, a determination. Um, you know, and uh, and a, a kind of enthusiasm that has been lacking from this side. And, and you know, Bakayo Saka's had to spend a lot of his Arsenal career to date playing at left wing back. And that's just not his position, is it? Bakayo Saka is an attacker and he, he's proving that now week in, week out. And his deliveries into the box were good. Um, he made things happen. He takes people on. He linked up really well with not just Smith Rowe, not just Alexander Lacazette, but Hector Bellerin as well on the right-hand side. So, yeah, I, I think Saka has been a real catalyst. And Smith-Rowe, not even because he's been amazing. Like, I think he's been good, but it's not even because he's been amazing. It's be partly because he's the type of profile of a player that we desperately were crying out for. And now we've got one. And, and that is why you're seeing Emil Smith-Rowe have maybe a bigger impact than what his individual performances warrant. Because... He is taking up those positions. He is getting into areas that Arsenal weren't getting into without a number 10. He is taking defenders away in key areas. He is, as I said earlier on, going out to the right, going out to the left, creating overloads with the wingers, creating um, havoc for the defenders by being that extra body, picking up half spaces. He does all of those things. And and so when I say what I'm saying about Smith-Rowe, it's not because I don't think he's been good. I do think he's been good, but what I'm trying to get to is the fact that it's that profile of player that Arsenal have been missing, I think, this season. Going back to Aubameyang, there's a fair few comments about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, a, a few of you defended him and I, I didn't want it to come across like I'm having a massive go at him. I did sort of fill it with praise at the end by saying that I do believe he'll turn it around. I do believe he'll come good and I still think he's an elite forward. Um, Lorenba says Oba played well come on guys give him some credit uh, Franklin says Oba looks good but a bit frustrated I wouldn't call him finished agreed uh, Anton says I feel sorry for Oba he desperately needs a goal but it's pleasing to see the others chipping in yeah and I made that point already I think it's, it's so good to see the rest of the team producing and that's not being solely reliant upon Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and his goals Stephen says the cap is back Harry mate the barbers are closed here in the UK. 
We're in tier four, whatever you want to bloody call it. It's an absolute nightmare. Can't get a haircut anywhere. My hair has become like this. I can't control it anymore. So I figured when I'm going to go live, I'll just chuck the cap on backwards. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's see what else uh, you guys are saying. Brad Nolan says, first time I've been able to join your live stream. Top work, Harry, and good to hear you on the odd five live podcast. What a Christmas and New Year's for us Gooners. Thank you so much, Brad. Uh, delighted to have you on the live stream. Um, welcome and uh, thank you for the shout out um, and for the work on Five Live as well. I do really enjoy doing that, um, in particular the last uh, the last one that you would have heard uh, with Kelly Cates and uh, Rob Green. That was fantastic. So uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, just going to skip through a few comments because a few of them are pretty similar and uh, just conscious of time um but i am reading all of them i promise um, harry land says what a great performance oba didn't score but his overall game was good and he worked hard if other players are scoring then it's all good agreed you know oba's performances will only be or oba's lack of goals will be magnified and made a big deal of when the others aren't performing but when the others are performing then you know we can we can allow it you know we can we can give him the benefit of the doubt and I think he did try and what well, he was trying to score tonight and you could see the frustration on his face when he didn't, um, you know, and I think that that is, uh, you know, that tells you all you need to know about Aubameyang's desire to get his name back on the score sheet. Uh, John Knott asks a very interesting question. Do you drop Marie when Gabriel is back or keep him in the side? This is a really, really interesting question. Really, really is because, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, Gabriel has, has arguably been Arsenal's best centre-back this season, but Pablo Marie has been excellent since he's come into the side as well. Rob Holding has been good in recent weeks. Personally, I don't think you should drop any of those two until uh, until it's proven otherwise, because I think they've been really good and I think they've been key to Arsenal turning around their form. I'd be interested to see what Gabriel and Pablo Marie would look like as a pairing. I'm, I'm not sure Mikel necessarily will go for that because, as I've said on previous shows, he's very keen on having a left footer and a right footer. And in Gabriel and Pablo Marie, you'd have two left footers. I know we've seen centre-back pairings of two right footers, for example, be very successful in the past. The one that always sticks to my head is John Terry, who was as right-footed as they come, but a really good left-sided centre-back. Sol Campbell as well, right-footed, but played as a left centre-back at Arsenal. So, you know, I don't think it's impossible to have two centre-backs that play uh, with the same foot. But I do think when you're trying to play out from the back and you're very specific in the way in which you want to see your team do that, then it is useful to have players playing on their right sides. And I think Mikel Arteta, whether rightly or wrongly, I think he sees that as an important factor. And so I can't see him pairing Pablo Marie and Gabriel. So I think it is probably... Uh, just about one or the other for me. Uh, Manny says, uh, you must be really buzzing. You got your wish that we smash Big Sam. Yes, exactly. Um, really, really enjoyed uh, beating Big Sam. I, I can't stand the guy. I think he's a dinosaur. And I was very disappointed in West Brom for, slack, for sacking Slavin Bilic to bring him in. You know, bring a young progressive coach in. Bring someone in that you think... Um, will take the team forward. But they literally pressed the panic button, brought in a guy who's notorious for turning up at clubs, um, you know, when when most of the season's done and, and being able to galvanise them over a short period of time. 
The issue here is is with this West Brom side. It just isn't good enough. You know, there isn't any Jermaine Defoe's like he had at Sunderland. There isn't any of the quality of players he had at Crystal Palace or at Newcastle or any of the other clubs that Sam Allardyce has, has been around. This is a really poor West Bromwich Albion side. And I think... Um, I think they're doomed and, and I can't wait uh, for Sam to go down. The, the thing is, as I said already, I wouldn't be surprised if he resigned before the end of the season, made out that he couldn't, um, that he couldn't, you know, that he couldn't do it, that the, the resources weren't there, made out that the players weren't committed, made out that the promises made to him were not, were not quite sort of fulfilled. I genuinely think um, that that is, is what Sam is going to do because he won't want to lose that record, will he, of getting relegated. Be prepared. Around late February, March time, you're going to get a Sam Allardyce resignation. You heard it here first. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying. Mr. T. Marlowe says, great performance. Good to watch a game comfortably for a change. Love the Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka combination. Who gets dropped for Partey? I think it's probably going to be Danny Ceballos based on tonight's team or Mohamed Elneny. I think... Xhaka and Partey probably gives us the best balance um, with a number 10 in front of them. That's my opinion. I know a lot of Arsenal fans out there don't like Granit Xhaka, don't rate Granit Xhaka and will say something totally different. But in my opinion, that would be the go-to pairing. Neil D'Souza says, only Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Hector were poor. I didn't think Hector was poor. I thought Maitland-Niles was a little bit slack when he came on, but it's difficult to come into a match. Um, in those conditions when you weren't prepared necessarily. Um, but, you know, I wasn't overly angry or upset with his performance, with either of their performances. And as I said earlier on, I thought Bellerin did okay tonight. I, I really do. Um, but he does say the second goal, one touch magic was great, made my new year. That we can agree on uh, for sure. Let's see what else we've got here. Um, let's see, just scrolling through. Some of your comments. Badjwa Mickey says, I think the big difference no one is talking about is Lacazette is leading the forward line and not just being a hold-up player. He's been excellent. What do you think, Harry? Lacazette is such a confidence player. And when Lacazette is scoring goals and when he's got runners around him, he looks a completely different player. I think Lacazette very quickly can get into a rut, but he can equally very quickly turn it around. And I thought that Lacazette, Led by example tonight, he, he's showing his experience of late with those young players around him, the Sackers, the Smith Rose. I think he's linking up brilliantly with each and every one of them and really being a good example. Also got in the right positions tonight to score a couple of goals, took the opportunities when they came his way. And as I say, I think that Lacazette is such a confidence player and you're really seeing him right now at the pinnacle of his game. And, and that's what we want to see from Lacazette. The problem has always been with Lacazette that he's not been able to deliver that over a sustained period of time. He's shown glimpses, performances um, uh, of, of a real top, top striker since he joined Arsenal, but never over a 15, 16 game period. And that's been the problem for me. Tofa says team performances are the best. Individuals had their moments, but as a team, we really are looking more connected and on the same page. Agree with that. Agree that. Uh, M says, Harry, what happened to the gas tank this week? I'm not sure, um, but there was no gas tank this week. There was welcome to world class videos over on the 90 Min YouTube channel. Head over there. Check it out if you haven't already. Subscribe there as well. Um, obviously, subscribe here first, but then subscribe there as well. Um, and I'm sure the gas tank will be returning this week, as will the fans 
preview. I expect things to go back to normal now um, in this coming week. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the channel and that way you'll never miss it. Uh, Talal Ashur says Saka is a future Ballon d'Or winner. That is a big claim indeed. Not sure I'm going to get on board with that one just yet. Um, but yeah, he's certainly looking good and, and certainly improving all the time. Uh, Mad JZO says, smash the like button, you frauds. Absolutely. Uh, Chris says, big up Harry. Cheers from the USA. Great match today. Let's carry that on to the next one. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, uh, Martin says, let's get the channel where it belongs. Best Arsenal contact on YouTube. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate your support. Um, this is an interesting point from Shiro. He says, one of Laka or Oba has to leave the club. Having both forces us to squeeze one of them into the team. I've been having this conversation over the last couple of days, actually. I do feel like there's a, a need on Mikel Arteta's part having made this big song and dance to persuade Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that Arsenal was the place for him, persuading him to commit his future to the club, the club handing him out that contract that they did. You do feel as though Mikel Arteta feels almost like he owes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang a starting place whenever he's fit and available. And, you know, him being left out of the Chelsea game, was it the Chelsea game where he was left out? It, it comes as a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And and with Oba not being 100% fit, it meant that Mikel Arteta could justify his decision based upon that. And it kind of gave him a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. It gave him the chance to look at the side without Aubameyang and, and watch it be that little bit more balanced. And, you know, when Aubameyang's in the side scoring goals left, right and centre, nobody looks at the balance and nobody comments on it. And rightly so. But when things aren't going well and you need solutions and you need to find a slightly different way of playing, Mikel would have never been given the opportunity to try something different had Aubameyang not picked up an injury. Because as I said, having made him the captain, having... Well, he didn't initially make him the captain, but having kept him as the captain, having given him that contract, having tried for so long to persuade him that Arsenal was the place for him. He feels a loyalty to him um, and he can't drop him. I genuinely think that's where Mikel Arteta is at. And so, you know, I do think we do have a bit of an issue um, when it comes to, when it comes to the Aubameyang situation and whether, you know, uh, you know, you could argue that he's having to be, he's being in the side sometimes when he doesn't necessarily merit it, but it's more a case of, of the club, um, you know, being feeling like they owe him something. And, and that, that's the issue. Uh, big thanks to Chris uh, for your kind donation, mate. Thank you so much. It is very much appreciated. Feel free to drop your super chats in the comments section on YouTube if that's where you're watching us from. Over 300 of you joining us live at the moment. So uh, as again, I said it before, I think we're on about 150 at the moment, but smash the like button as well. Let's get to 200 between now and the end of the stream. John Yardley says, if we were to sign an attacking midfielder, I'd feel bad dropping Smith Rowe. He's done everything right. Yeah, um, he has. He's been faultless up until now. His performances have been so, so good. But I'll keep going back to that point. that I do worry about the reliance upon a young player who has got a history of breaking down with injury multiple times during a season. I do feel like if we don't go and reinforce in that area, there will come a point where we'll regret it. And so I still think it's the right course of action. 
But I understand where you're coming from and I understand why you don't want to see Emil Smith-Rowe's path blocked. What I would like to see is Emil Smith-Rowe still get sufficient game time, but have a more experienced deputy who can be called upon or who can play a run of games where maybe Smith-Rowe's form takes a turn for the worst. Because every young player does go through these phases. And not just young players, every player does. But in particular, young players, I always feel. So if if we had someone we could call upon just to take that pressure off of Emil Smith-Rowe from time to time, I think that would be a good thing. And I think that would be a positive. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, just scrolling through. Again, apologies um, if I don't pick up your comments. If I don't pick them up, it's probably because we've discussed that subject uh, to death a little bit, um, you know, during this podcast up until now. So I do apologize uh, to those of you, um, but I promise get some of those comments in the chat after the stream ends as well. And I'll have a read of those and I'll, I'll reply to as many as possible. Uh, DJ E Fox says, is top four still on for Arsenal this season? Oh, I knew this was going to come up. I knew that the minute Arsenal strung a few results together, this was going to come up. Look, at the moment, in fourth place, you've got Leicester City on 29 points. Arsenal are on 23 points. There's only six points in it. Yes, we've played a game more, um, so it could potentially be nine points. But nine points is not irretrievable. You know, particularly in this league, in this division, the way the competition is... You know, you can't rule Arsenal out of making the top four. It's, it's a possibility. There's no denying that. I still think we'll be a little bit short, though. Um, and as I said right at the start of the season, my goal for this campaign was to start a rebuild, to ship out some of the Deadwood, to have a good run in one of the Cups, preferably the Europa League, which obviously opens the door to Champions League football again. But I always said that if we got closer to the top four, and I mean a lot closer than we did last season, I'd be happy with that. I'd see that as progress. So it's not impossible. You know, six points at the moment, probably going to be nine. Nine points is not the end of the world and, and it is retrievable. No question about that. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, not trying to sound negative. I hate it when sentences start like that. <laughs> but these run of fixtures have helped. If we have had Chelsea, Liverpool and City, things may have got worse. Yeah, of course. But you're not going to play Chelsea, Liverpool and City every single week in the Premier League, are you? Um, and so, you know, everybody plays everybody twice. So you get you, you get those fixtures. So it's only fair that at certain periods, the fixture list eases up a little bit. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Mohammed Adam says, Ozil just complimented Emil Smith's Rose performance on Twitter. I've not seen that. Um, jumped on literally as soon as the game ended. So I've not had a look, um, at any of the post-match reaction. I've not had a listen to Mikel Arteta yet. We'll get to all of that, uh, later on. Oh, Wow. Uh, let me share this with you guys on the screen for those of you watching us live at the moment. Uh, I've just gone over to have a look at Mesut Ozil's tweet um, and it's really, really interesting. He says, nice game, my boys. Great spirit. Three wins in a row. Team looks good with a number 10 like a Mill Smith row. The difference maker. So uh, Mesut Ozil really sticking the knife in, um, making the point that Arsenal's side uh, look a lot better uh, without... Uh, sorry, with a number 10 uh, in the side. So uh, congratulations to Emil Smith-Rowe. You've won the number 10 approval uh, by Mesut Ozil. There you go. What more do you want? Mesut Ozil making sure he gets involved 
one way or the other. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Uh, Chris Castell says, most probably in the summer, if the considerable offers came in, who would you let go, Oba or Laka? If this is the system that Mikel wants to play with and he doesn't think that Aubameyang can do that role, I, I lean towards Aubameyang. But I also recognise that I'm saying that at a point in his Arsenal career where it's not really going that well um, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If you're going to judge it based on both of their careers at Arsenal overall, then you let Laka go. You know, Laka's the one whose contract comes to an end at the end of next season. Laka's the one whose form has been more up and down than Aubameyang's throughout the course of their Arsenal careers. If you're judging it, on who can play as a centre forward in this system, you lean towards Lacazette. But if you're talking about overall contribution to Arsenal and overall ability to be a difference maker, as Mesut Ozil would put it, then I think that Aubameyang is is the man you keep. It's a hard one. It's a really hard question. Asked me that six months ago, my answer would have been completely different. So football is ever-changing, isn't it? And it's always up and down and there's always different situations and different scenarios. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Bear with me. Um, just lost where I was in the comments. Uh, Steven says, smash the like button, Gunas. Yes, please do. Uh, no, I keep banging on about it, but it is so important. Sam Nickel says, hope you're feeling better, Harry. I am. Thank you very much. Uh, do you think this form takes the pressure off Arsenal to not rush into signings? We need a creative player, but it needs to be the right player. I think there's obviously... There obviously would have been a, a been louder cries for a signing had that dreadful run we were on continued into the transfer window. I still think there's pressure to make signings. I still think there's pressure to do business if possible, but it has to be the right business, doesn't it? Um, for example, if you're going to go and sign Emiliano Buendia in January because you can get him in January because the investment required isn't going to be that much and because... He's at a club like Norwich who can be bullied into selling him. But you think that there's a better option out there, but you just can't do it till the summer. And I'd rather wait. Genuinely, I'd rather wait than, than go and make a half-hearted signing. Go and bring in someone that you think might do okay, but you're only kind of leaning towards him because of his availability, because of the club he currently plays for and because of the fact that you feel you could push them into doing a deal. Whereas some of the other clubs in Europe, you know, top flight clubs probably wouldn't need the money so much, wouldn't be pushed into it, wouldn't be forced into it, then I'd rather wait, be patient and get the right players in. I think when it comes to rebuilding this Arsenal side, we have to accept it's going to take a few years. Um, Mikel's had a year so far, and I think he's probably going to need another year before we're even looking at a side that is remotely close to what he wants it to be. But you don't rebuild and you don't make... Pro I'd rather bring in one or two players a year who are going to really improve the side and really help the side than go in and bring in three or four who you look at and you think maybe two of those signings or maybe one of those signings might come off. I don't want to see risk-taking in the transfer market anymore. I want to see signings like Thomas Partey. I know we've been unfortunate with his injury and that's really knocked us for six, but I want to see signings like that. Well, you know that Thomas Partey, you know, you've seen it in the handful of games that he's played for Arsenal, instantly improves the side. And that's the type of signings I want. And I look at someone like Buendia, and it's not just to pick on Buendia. There's a number of players we've been linked with. that I just look at and I think, 
not 100% sure that you are the answer, that you can do it at that level. And, and that's an issue. That's an issue. Uh, great news says, just signed on. Have you talked about Ozzy today? Just briefly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else have we got here uh, in terms of your comments? Uh, thank you, Chris, uh, for your kind donation. Uh, thoughts on Sabios and Xhaka? Great game from both. Yeah, I thought they were really dominating um, and controlled the game really, really well in the middle of the park. I enjoyed both of their performances. Really, really did. Um, you know, Xhaka obviously had that incident a few weeks ago, got himself suspended, which was another black mark against his name for a lot of the fans. Uh, scored that wonderful free kick against Chelsea. Um, and since then, I think he's 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 looked a really good player again and a really good midfielder. And I stick by what I said. I think that him and Partey would probably be Arsenal's best midfield pairing. Sabas did okay today as well. Um, Sabas gives you something a little bit different. As I said earlier on, he gives you a little bit more guile a little bit more creativity, maybe a little bit more vision at times. Um, still doesn't progress the ball necessarily as much as I'd like him to, but he gives you something different. And I thought in a game like today, where we were always going to have the majority of the ball, Sabahs was a better option than Mohamed Elneny. And that that proved the case, I think. Uh, everybody's sort of uh, laughing in the comments about Mesut Ozil and his um, his uh, PR team and, and, and their sort of... Uh, tweets that they've been putting out and the way they've got the Arsenal fan base and, uh, on strings. Uh, Miss Melina says, would you take Ozil back on the bench? Personally, I would because I think he's better than some of the alternatives that we have in the team. But as I've said time and time again, the relationship between um, between Ozil and the club is broken. It's damaged. It can't be repaired, I don't think. And um, in that case, then what, what would be the point in bringing him back in the side if there is a you know, a chance he'll be leaving uh, this month. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where I stand on that. As a player, I rate him. I think he's excellent. I think he would add a lot to this team, um, particularly when we play with a number 10, a number 10 with that level of freedom like Emil Smith-Rowe had tonight. Um, but, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, I can't see him coming back in. Uh, let's see what else you've got. I'll pick up a couple more comments before we wrap up. Um Chris says, Harry, would you take Sabahs on a permanent transfer in the summer? I'm still undecided on that. And I'm undecided because I feel like his performances are up and down. I've just spent the last few minutes telling you that I prefer, I'd prefer to see a Xhaka and Partey pivot. In which case, if the, the fee that Real Madrid are demanding for Danny Sabahs is too much, then I wouldn't do it. Um, it, it depends on so many factors. It depends on the form of the others. It depends on the fitness of the others. I think it depends on, on, you know, the price that Real Madrid are asking for the player. And of course, whether or not he wants to stay um, at the Emirates Stadium, that's obviously an important factor as well uh, to take into consideration. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this one. Selgeus? Selgeus? says, how much did the heavy snow play a part in this game? Did it work out in our favour? I actually don't think the snow played a part. Um, and I was, as I said, right at the top of the show, I was worried about the part that the snow might play because I felt like, you know, it's that old myth, isn't it? Who wants to travel um, away on a cold, windy, rainy, snowy night? 
um, away to a physical side with a manager like Sam Allardyce. And the reality is we've all painted this picture in our heads of West Brom being a side in the image of Sam Allardyce. And they're really not, not in the Sam Allardyce that we've all known anyway. This is a really poor West Bromwich Albion side. And somebody made the comment earlier on, but I don't know if I'll be able to find it now. Uh, let me just have a quick look and see if I can, because it was a really good comment. And I remember reading to myself, reading it to myself um, while while I was talking about something else. He basically said that, um, basically said that West Brom were more difficult to beat under Slaven Bilic, which is ironic, isn't it? Because they brought Sam Allardyce to do that exact thing. They brought Sam Allardyce um, in to make them difficult to beat. And he's, he's not managed that. Barring that draw at Anfield, in which I thought they were extremely fortunate, they've done nothing else under Sam Allardyce, taking a couple of really heavy defeats in the process as well. Uh, David Arsenal says, the hope is what kills us. I won't entertain top four until May. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying. Uh, some of you asking about Felipe Coutinho. Is he someone I'd take on loan? Yeah, I would. Um, I would. I think that Felipe Coutinho still has plenty to offer. I think he's an excellent player. Um, Chris also asks, how about Partey? And Xhaka pivot with Sabas in front. I'm not sure that Sabas is that kind of player. I'm not sure I want to see Danny Sabayos playing. Um, I'm not sure I want to see Danny Sabas playing in that advanced role ahead of someone like Emil Smith Rowe um, or a more natural number 10. I, I don't think he has that movement. Um, and that's not a criticism of, of Danny Sabas. He's just not that type of player for me that's going to pick up those holes of space, uh, appear in those pockets, drag people out of position. I don't see that in Sabayos. Um, So that's why, for me, that probably doesn't work. Um, what else have we got here? Russ Morgan says, the Billich comment was mine. Thank you, Russ, uh, for pointing that out, mate. I, I definitely saw it and I read it. Um, but obviously the chat box is constantly updating and I just lost it. Um, and I was never going to find it without <laughs> pausing the whole show and uh, running back uh, through the uh, through the chat box. Let's see what you guys are saying. DJ Easy 5 says, hey, Harry, compliments to the new year. Really enjoyed the link up play of the youngsters. Yeah, me too. I thought it was excellent. Really pleasing on the eye. Right. Uh, that brings us towards the end of uh, this uh, post-match reaction podcast. A great win for the Arsenal. 4 nil winners away from home at the Hawthorns against Sam Allardyce's. And I do the inverted commas, whatever, sarcastic fingers, whatever you want to call them. Sam Allardyce's difficult to beat West Bromwich Albion. We absolutely played them off the park, battered them on their own turf. And it couldn't have happened to a bigger knob of a manager. Uh, so absolutely delighted with that. Uh, just before we go, spam the chat box. Let me know where it is that you are joining us from. I want to give you guys a shout out in the chat box before I lock off. Uh, a couple of quick reminders while you guys fill up the chat box with those comments. Um, first of all, if you haven't already, smash the like button. Uh, it is so, so important. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. As I said, we want to get to 11,000 as uh, quickly as we possibly can. Um, what else have I got to say? Turn the notifications on because we are going to be... Um, we are going to be live again tomorrow and we're going to be live on Monday and we're going to be live on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday because the Chronicles of Aguna is stepping it up. We're going to bring you a video over the next sort of 24, 48 hours, 48 hours. Give me a chance. Um, 
explaining to you some changes that are coming to the channel, all good stuff. Nothing's going to change or, or in terms of what we're doing here, but we are going to bring you more of it and we are going to bring you um, some more guests and various other bits and pieces, different features. So I just want to update you all on that and how you can be a part of the journey as well. Uh, right, let's say hello to everyone in the live chat box. Let's give shout outs to Ross in Slough, uh, India. We've got Germany. Um, Anton is joining us. Uh, from Cape Town says, always great hearing your insight, Harry. Great show. Happy New Year from Cape Town. Zeus joins us from India. Sam is in Bristol. Chris is in Portugal. Nithin is in Sweden. Selgius is in Melbourne. Justin Time is in North Carolina. Safa in Sweden. Uh, for Stephen, we've got Andreas of the Limassol Gunas. Shout out to the Limassol uh, Gunas, the Arsenal Supporters Club based in Limassol, Cyprus. Uh, big hello to every single one of you guys. To Mad Jezo in New Jersey. To Philip in Belgrade. Um, what else have we got here? Top Decker says Tierney was classed today from London. Uh, we've got India. Uh, plenty of Indian viewers at the moment. Dub City, Vanuatu, uh, Toronto. We've got John Deliani in Edmonton, Canada. How are you doing? Um, what else? What else have we got here? Uh, phone in show is coming. Yes, yeah, stay tuned to Twitter uh, for that. You'll get some information on that. Uh, we're going to bring you a phone in show in the next couple of days. So stay uh, tuned on that. Keep your eyes peeled. As a lot of you know, I've not been feeling that well over the last couple of weeks, which is why I haven't done one because I wasn't sure if I could sit um, on the line for a couple of hours, for an hour and a half or whatever. When it's a solo show like this, if I don't feel great, I can lock it off. And, and that's the difference um, without letting anybody down. So um, there will be a phony show very, very soon. Uh, Aditya says, Happy New Year, Harry. Joining from India. It's quite late here in the night, but always a pleasure to be interacting with you. A pleasure to have you with us. A79 is in Bahrain. Um, Bunaziu Stefan joins us from Romania. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, T joins us from Larnaca, Cyprus. Thank you. Uh, big hello to everyone in Cyprus. Zero Def says uh, from over the moon. And Selgia says, hope you feel better soon. Thank you all so much for joining me on this post-match reaction podcast. If you're listening via the audio platforms, you'll be listening to this the next morning. So good morning to you guys. Um, and thank you for your constant support as well. Be sure to leave us a review. Five stars, of course. Get a comment in there as well, because that really helps too. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. You know the drill by now. We'll be back tomorrow with more Arsenal content. Until then, take care. Good night. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.